Hi, I'm Marilyn Dennis, and this is Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. This episode, I'll be chatting with two-time Emmy-winning and five-time Grammy-nominated comedian, actor, writer, producer, best-selling author, wow, that's a lot, because he's great, Jim Gaffigan, one of the most successful comedians in the world. Jim's humor is family-friendly, it's so good, and his observations on life, right on. Jim has been quarantined with his wife and five loud and expensive kids, as he puts it, at their home in Manhattan, New York. He's made the best of the situation by sharing their hilarious experiences on his YouTube channel and social media platforms. Let's get cooking and dinner with the Gaffigans, all collaborations with his wife and kids. We're also going to chat with Jim about his upcoming role as the former mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford. So let's get to it. Please welcome Emmy-winning comedian, actor, and best-selling author, Jim Gaffigan. Yay! Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. I, I see you every Sunday on CBS Sunday morning. I so enjoy your humor. I watched another one of your specials last night. You're part of our family. That's for sure. We love you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Okay, Jim. We we kind of get the highlights from some of the, the things that you post. How How are you and how is the family doing thus far? Well, it's, it's pretty uh, crazy, right? It's... Uh, but it's it's something the whole world is dealing with, right? And again, uh, I can complain, but compared to what some healthcare workers are uh, dealing with, or some people, some family members that are struggling with sick uh, family mm-hmm. members, it's nothing, you know. But yeah, I mean, we've been in here. Uh, this Sunday will be my tenth consecutive commentary, or. Uh, <laughs> quarantine update and um it's absurd but it's it's fine you know i always said i wanted to spend more time with my family but this is you know (laughs) as you said last week it's unprecedented yes very much (laughs) it's just very you know the uh, the uh the absurd thing is i have to film those segments later at night, like distance learning is occurring right now. And there might be a child that walks in, but for recording the CBS Sunday things, I have to do it late at night. And because we're in quarantine, my kids never go to bed. They're not running around <laughs> all day, so they're not tired. So I end up doing them at like one in the morning and I'm wiped out. So, Well, you you do it so well. You Your humor is carrying us through all these many weeks. I do want to talk about your kids and, and, and the ages. I know there's five of them. Uh, you are all getting together as a family to do dinner with the Gavikins. How did that come about? That is a great idea. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, that was really inspired. I was on a, a South America, uh, Latin American tour. I was doing stand-up actually in uh, Colombia, in Bogota, when this all was going down, as we all remember, it was an early thing. And I got a call from my manager that they were closing Argentina and the show was canceled. So did I want to go to Brazil or did I think it was best to go home? So I decided to go home, but there was a possibility that I was going to be quarantined. So I, I was, uh, it was top of mind that people were going to be separated from loved ones. So the dinner with the Gaffigans, initially it started as, you know, we're doing dinner 
uh, every night at six. Maybe, you know, people that are dealing with uh, being uh, separated from family might get a kick out of seeing kids with poorly combed hair eat dinner with uh, with a with a madman. So that that's what started it. And then um, we kind of turn it into a fundraising thing. And then I started, you know, I'm preparing dinner every night. So then I turned that into a cooking show called Let's Get Cooking because I'm, you know, I'm ignorant on making food. So, but there's so much uh-huh. to do with five kids, you know. There's so much. Okay. So let's talk about the five kids. Mari, is, am I pronouncing her name right? 16? Yes. Mari's 16. Jack is 14. Katie just turned 11. Uh, Michael is eight and Patrick is seven. And uh, as this has gone on, they've regressed dramatically where they're all (laughs) probably the age of six at this point. And who is um, who is the one that is really not dealing with quarantine the most? Like, is it the little one or is it your 16 year old daughter? Well, you know, they, they each have had to deal with uh, sacrifices. You know, my daughters were in plays that were canceled. You know, my 11-year-old, yeah. she she has like uh, softball practice on Zoom. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's different sacrifices around. I would say that my 14-year-old, who is probably similar to me and less outdoorsy or active, He's, you know, he's just, he gets to do his screens. He's probably the least phased, you know. Um, yeah. He's kind of communicated always with his friends via kind of video games anyway. You know, it's interesting because they were saying, like, there's the introverts and the extroverts. The extroverts were not happy with this, but even the introverts are getting tired of being quarantined. So I wonder about the dynamics in a family like yours how the kids are handling it for sure. And then there's your wonderful wife, Jeannie. I mean, holy macro, you two have to work very well together, put on those meals. And what's her role? I mean, you've got a role. She's got a role. What is her role? I mean, it is, it's a very uh, disproportionate role. You know, it would be dishonest of me to say that it's 50, 50. I mean, some of it is, I'm just not good at certain things. The reason I'm making dinner is, I can do that and not burn down the house. And so it's, I would say that the one advantage of having a big family in quarantine is you're probably uh, less likely to uh, get to wit's end with one person. Do you know what I mean? So there is, we are a group of seven. So there is, um, I mean, we've been around each other for too long. Uh, but there is seven of us. It's not just, uh, you know, a husband and a wife or a mom and a son. It's there's seven. And so we all go through our periods where we're kind of on edge, but there's usually one sane person there to kind of Mm -hmm. pull everyone back from the brink. The glue, the glue, right? The straw that stirs the drink. That, that person. Yeah. How is she feeling these days? I know for those that don't know, Jeannie had a health yeah. scare not too long ago. How is she doing? Yeah, she she's doing well. Thank you. She had, uh, you know, I guess two years ago, she had a tumor the size of a pear removed from her skull, from her brain stem. 
So uh, she is, uh, and then following that surgery, she contracted some uh, pretty serious level of pneumonia. So she is considered high risk. Uh, mm. And so we've been on kind of a double secret quarantine here in New York City where, you know, it's similar to Toronto, you know, we're all kind of packed in together. So there was a time where even a window open was like, do we have a window open? Should we do that? So we've been oh, yeah. pretty uh, hunkered down here and, uh, you know, a large metropolitan area. And, you know, mm-hmm. we do have friends in the medical profession. So uh, that's what dinner with the Gaffigans. We've been kind of, you know, getting people to pitch in uh, a dollar or two so that we can at least get, you know, medical uh, people uh, some, you know, ice cream or something like that, just yeah. something for morale. Uh, you have served over 5,000 meals as of May 14th and raised over 30 K. Did you know that? Yeah, no, I think it's like, it's, I think it's close to 90, 90 grand. Stop it. Wow. Yeah. And, and wow. it's, it's, it's worldwide. There's tons of Canadians that, tune in uh, every night, 6 p.m. Eastern, to dinner with the Gaffigans. And I think, you know, sometimes people donate. Obviously, it's just a dollar here and there. But sometimes yeah. people donate so that we'll say their name, you know. And uh, But mm-hmm. it's also, we're all generally, we want to help the healthcare workers. We want to help the food insecure people. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, a, a dollar here and there, it's easier. What a great thing. And what a great thing your kids are learning about all this, too, because I'm sure, as I've seen, that they really love participating in this. And that's really, I think that's really special. The experience from this pandemic will be forever etched in families, you know, history. And it's how you deal with that family during this time that's more important than maybe doing fractions, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty ironic. There was a point where, uh, you know, we've been doing this for 10 weeks now, and um, I've prepared most of the meals. And my seven-year-old turned to my wife at some point, and she was like, why don't you ever cook dad? You know, so it's just the perception (laughs) has changed, you know, prior to this. You know, I was, you know, I was traveling, you know, I was this different guy, but now I'm known as the guy who cooks and cleans, you know, but it's funny. (laughs) It's a weird, it's a real, uh, a weird reset because they are so used to you being on the road as you are used to being on the road. Um, I mean, we're into many weeks of this now. Does your wife secretly wish that you were back on the road? Do you think, or what? Because I know, oh, you know. Yeah, I yeah, I think she was sick of me around week one. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> some of the benefit of, you know, like when you uh, have a spouse or a partner that travels a lot, you know, it, it's fondness makes the heart grow, uh, you know, uh, you know, distance makes the uh the heart, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm saying, but, uh, <laughs> okay. so yeah, no, the force breaks yes. are always good for a relationship. Oh, I uh, think so, so but I, I, yeah, it's, you know, again, we're all, you know, if you're healthy and yeah. you know, uh, you're able to feed your family, there should be a lot of gratitude yeah. around that. 
Now, Jim, let's face it, you know, uh, being around a lot of kids is not new to you because when you grew up, you were the number six of six. Am I right on that number? That's that's true. That is true. When you're six of six, do you get a word in edgewise at all at the family table or no? I think uh, that's why I um, humor was my price of entry in my family. You know, otherwise I was just... Uh, you know, a competition for food among my siblings. So if I, I used to do an impression of my dad and, you know, being uh, funny was, I don't know if it was a protective measure. It's not like there was a physical abuse from my siblings occurring, but it was, uh, you know, I would entertain them, you know, but they were also very funny too. I mean, they're still around, you know, they're still funny. I, I think when you're a little kid or the little kid like I was, I think when you go into the humor thing, and by the way, I was so, so funny, but I just didn't want rejection. So I felt if I was funny, then I wouldn't be rejected that much. That's how I yeah. thought about it. You know? Yeah, I think it was, it was a, it was a form of entertainment too. You know, there was, I had all these older siblings, you know, they were teenagers, they were you know, uh, getting in trouble. And I would just be mm. kind of the, the mascot, you know, I mm -hmm. was providing mm -hmm. some levity. What do they think of your career? Funny guy, funny little brother. My, my brothers and sisters. Well, it's interesting you say that because I, I think initially there was a lot of pity because I was, you know, this strange guy, you know, struggling in the entertainment industry. And then when I achieved some success, it changed. They were, they always thought I would make it. But there's also, I think there's a great irony because I grew up um, the youngest uh, and I had an older brother who was kind of my Irish twin, who was a better athlete. He was smarter. He was pretty much better at everything. But now he's kind of known as Jim Gaffigan's brother. So it's, there's a certain kind of annoyance. I don't know if you have that, you know, with your siblings, uh, but like they, they're uh, annoyed, you know, bit. they go to the grocery store and they give a credit card and they're like, wait a minute, are you Jim Gaffigan's brother? And they're like, you know, I was the better athlete. Why are people asking me about my brother? You know? Well, I, for me, my sisters live in the States, so they don't have to uh, do that. But I see the eye rolls every once in a while when yeah. they're up here visiting. And I go, whatever. Yeah. You know, I go, okay. Yeah. That's, you know. And when the two of them are together with me, it's like an onslaught of I don't even exist. So I'm sure family reunions are very interesting. You know, like you get all the attention, but no, we're with the family now. You know how that runs, right? Oh, yeah. No. And there's also... Yeah. Um, you know, it's, there's a certain amount of, uh, I don't know if I would call it resentment or jealousy. It's just a little bit of, you know, uh, characterizing me as, as Mr. Hollywood, even though I don't live in Hollywood, you know, <laughs> I know it's just uh. kind of, uh, if I'm wearing a belt, you know, it's like, Ooh, Mr. Hollywood wearing a belt, you know, and <laughs> So it's just it's just predisposed <laughs> to anything I do being associated with the entertainment industry. It's like, oh, oh, drinking a Heineken. Oh, fancy. You know, it's just 
You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just family drama. Yeah. It's family drama. And their biggest fear, Jim Gaffigan, is if we use them in any way, shape, or form on our platform. You know? That's yes. the that's yes. the that's how we how we return the favor. You have this way about you where you look at the simple, regular things in life, but I think you take it so many steps further that we go, Yeah, I feel that way too. So ranch dressing was yeah. one of them. I don't know why that yeah, came well, to mind I right now, but it did. No, but it's, you know, the ranch dressing thing is a little bit of, but there's, you know, there's things that, I mean, I think sometimes my comedy is, uh, you know, just pointing out things that we all kind of think of and uh, it mm-hmm. just kind of floats through our mind, but I kind of grab onto it. Like the ranch dressing is, uh, it is weird. It's just, it's, it's kind of like a guilty pleasure. It's not blue cheese. You know, we use it rampantly uh, or people we know use it rampantly and we might think it's disgusting and then you try it and it's great. You know, so there's yeah. a little bit of, right. uh, and what I would say is like, sometimes I'll do material on something where I'll say, I don't like it. And then I'll be exposed to it and I'll, you know, I'll re-examine it. You know, because people on social media will, there'll be an outpouring of like, how dare you go after hiking? You know, you got to have to do this one hike and then I'll do the hike and I'll be like, all right, I was wrong. Yeah. 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 But your rant on kale was right on. I want to say thank you for that. That was right on. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, why am I chewing this? And it doesn't, yeah, terrible. Yeah. You know, Australians, you know. Uh, they feed it to their cows, you know, and it was, it was just like, there is health benefits, but they're like, in Australia, they're still, you know, when I was there, they were like, we're still feeding this to our cows. We're not eating this, you know? So I don't know. I love your collaboration with your wife. I know that she produces and co-produces a lot of things with you. So I'm assuming that you test drive. I know she's very funny in her own right. Yeah. But you two go, go back and forth because it's the, the standup is seamless. So is that part of what her role is in your life as well? Yes. Well, we do everything together, but it's, you know, with five kids, as our family has grown, the, the role has shifted and it changes. So, uh, Sometimes, uh, you know, you, you know, I do these CBS Sunday commentaries and sometimes she can read them and has impact uh, input. And sometimes, you know, it's just our lives are so crazy. But typically with stand up, she'll be exposed. Uh, she'll be at one show where she'll see everything and she'll have a note or she'll have an idea. But, yeah, you know, with five kids and. You know, she yeah. obviously she you know she she wrote a book, so she's doing her own stuff. So it's it's pretty yeah. chaotic. What's your take on Father's Day, Jim Gaffigan? I I believe that uh, Father's Day is an afterthought. Like that, we wanted to do Mother's Day. We needed to acknowledge the incredible sacrifice, and then people were like, you know, we probably should give the old man a day too, you know, let's do it more in June. You know, we're, we're barbecuing anyway, you know? Uh, so it's just an afterthought, you know, it's, 
it's just not as uh, significant. Now, I did I did a commentary on this, and some men get furious, and you know, people like I always think if people get upset about my comedy, they're really too sensitive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I I hear you totally. Before I give you uh, sort of a crash course on Toronto, because I think you're going to need it. Yeah, no, because yeah. I think you, you because of your new role. Uh, you, 2019, as I mentioned before the break, a big year for you. You were in eight films. Make sure my numbers are right last year, including three at Sundance. Sundance. People were calling you the king of Sundance. Yeah, it's it was. Uh, wow. I was very fortunate to get uh, some great roles in films that ended up uh, landing at Sundance. You know, indie films uh, for an actor, you, you get to play a, a usually a, a more interesting, complex character rather than... I mean, I love comedies, but dramas... Uh, you want to play a character that's flawed. And, uh, and that's some of what you're getting to. You know, this incredible opportunity that you know, hopefully will happen. You know, I'm signed up to play uh, this pretty interesting role that is very much, uh, he, you know, I would say he's an icon. Uh, he's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, somebody that, you know, it'll be the first acting role where I will probably be encouraged to gain weight, you know, so I'm excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> Well, we're talking about you're now cast to play the former mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford. His brother yes. is the uh, is the premier of uh, of Ontario right now. And uh, I'd like to know before I give you kind of a crash course on Toronto and surrounding areas, what brought you to this? Who I mean, how did this come about? This role? Well, I did. Um, I've I did a movie Chappaquiddick with um, Ed Helms. <gasps> yes. Yes. And I had, yeah. I had known Ed for a long time and, you know, from this early stand-up days. And Ed has a production company that, uh, um, you know, bought a script from uh, Jesse McEwen, who uh, wrote this miniseries about Rob Ford. And mm -hmm. uh, and it's some of it, it's called Ford Nation. It's some of it. It's about Rob, but it's also about the family. It's also about. Um, that time period in uh, Toronto and Canada. And it's also, mm -hmm. um, you know, what's so exciting about it is uh, it really is uh, the predecessor to what America is dealing with, with Trump. You know, it's populism. Right on. Mm -hmm. It's a magnetic personality. It's, um, and you know, the thing I would say uh is that, you know, Rob Ford is a very interesting, compelling, flawed character. But, you know, he is also somebody that, you know, has family members that are still around and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, has friends and supporters. And, and uh, you know, I want to be sensitive to that, you know. But yeah. uh, it is, it's, it's a, an amazing story. So as an actor... Uh, you know, I look at, you know, when we would go around and we were pitching it, I would, you know, I would always say it's, you know, it's too bad that Chris Farley can't play this, you know, guy, because there was something about 
what I saw in Rob Ford, which was there was uh, a vulnerability that I think was contagious, even through all the chaos and, you know, mm-hmm. the drama. And I think it's easy uh, to characterize him just by his flaws. But like there was a human magnetism there that I'm sure my social mm-hmm. media will explode with people that are angry of how I'm describing this. But as an actor, uh and someone who loves stories, you know, the the Rob Ford story, the Ford family, uh, it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not uniquely Canadian. It's a human story. You know, it's, uh, you know, from the father, uh, mm-hmm. you know, making this success story. Uh, it deals with class. It deals with, um, you know, uh the you know kind of uh you know fancy toronto and the underdog of uh mm-hmm. of outside the outsider you know it's weird mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. fascinating cuz we're in the middle of this populism that is really worldwide you know i mean even you know the consequences of populism we even see you know obviously in america but you know, we're seeing some of it in Brazil, right? It's uh, yes. It's really one of the where, as humans, you know, we some yeah. of it is. It's important to tell this story because just the research I've done, I feel like Rob Ford probably wanted to be a high school football coach. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. my interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was family pressure and. Um, there was also, uh, because he was kind of uh, treated like a joke, that probably motivated him more. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. To prove something. Yeah. 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 And now his brother is a, is the premier of Ontario. And I think his brother, whoever's going to play that role, was very instrumental on him getting to where he needed to go and doing what he needed to do. Because Rob Ford, from my memory of him, and I never got introduced to him, but I remember being at a convention for the city of Toronto and I was going down the escalator and he was behind me and I hear, hi, Marilyn. And I turn around and I, it's, it's him. And yet he would went down at the, at the end of the escalator and I said, hello to him. He knew everybody in the room before he got into the convention. Like he didn't forget a name. And that, that connection was, uh, was really astounding to me because I can't remember Half the people, you know, yeah. I talk to you sometimes and just, I, I just don't, I, it, that's just not a gift that I seem to have, but I know I'm talking yeah. to Jim Gaffigan talking about former mayor, Rob Ford. And here we go. Things you need to know about Toronto. Say okay. Toronto, right. Jim Gaffigan. Say, 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 say Toronto for me. Toronto. It's Toronto. 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 Yeah. The, the second T is silent. Toronto. The reason Drake calls Toronto the six, Toronto the six, in part because Toronto's original code, area code was, just so you know, four, one, six. Six. So there's the 416ers, the 905ers, and those are the two original area codes. Just This is just a little extra research. Toronto is made up of six areas until 1998, and it became the city of Toronto. Stay with me. There's Old Toronto, York, North York, East York, Scarborough, and a place called 
Do you have a pen and paper right there? Are you good with memorizing yes. spelling? Yes. E E T O B I Etobico. 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 Yes. And so Etobico. you're good. What you're going to tell me is that it was, was that originally part of Toronto? That or was a part. Make no. It a Meggy city. They wanted to make it a right? Meggy city. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think he's from Etobicoke, up, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He's all Etobicoke. He's all Etobicoke. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's so interesting because there is so much, information on Rob Ford and about downtown Toronto versus the outer suburbs and stuff like that. Uh, and by the way, on social media, people have reached out, you know, like one of his oh, assistants, someone who, you know, uh, was a football buddy of his, like people uh. are, you know, the, because they, they want this story to be told and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with a level of authenticity, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so, but, you know, for me, it's like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try my best. But I think also, I, I've been in enough acting roles to know that I have to serve the story of the script, you know, and, you know, yes. the, but like, yeah. there's so many elements of this story that is fascinating, you know, from the reporter that broke it, to, uh, the uh, guy who blackmailed him, you know, to uh, mm -hmm. Doug, you know, to his mom, his dad, you know, there is so many elements of this that is fascinating, which, uh, you know, it's, you know, there's going to have to be some dramatic license, you know. There has to be. Now, with people reaching out, I mean, and, and, and there were major fans of, of, of him. It's divisive. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. But that's what yeah. happens in life. Is this uh, now I I can't remember, but is this the first time that you have taken on a lead role of a real person? Um, well, you know, in Chappaquiddick, I played. It's interesting because in Chappaquiddick, mm. I played a guy who was alive. And but specifically Ooh. in Chappaquiddick, I was for the effectiveness of the story. Um, they made my character kind of somebody that was new to the Kennedy circle when in reality he was kind of uh, uh, he was an ongoing participant. But like it was for the uh, the story point of kind of like how you can get corrupted by wanting to be around Camelot. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, so I played, um, characters and, you know, I, uh, in, I did this movie Tesla, which will probably be coming out where I played George Westinghouse, who was, uh, another famous inventor, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the knowledge of Rob Ford, uh, among Canadians is pretty pervasive. You know what I mean? It's like everyone has, yeah. you say Rob Ford and everyone has their own piece of footage, whether it's him running into the camera, whether it's him <laughs> uh, chasing <laughs> someone down and accidentally knocking someone over, uh, or it's <laughs> yeah. some of those press that. meetings. You know what I mean? It's yeah. so like there is these, um, everyone has this greatest hits reel in their in their mind about Rob Ford, but I don't know, you know, it's, I'm going to give it a shot.
you are going to give it a shot. You're going to do great. So in New York, you've got Wall Street. In Toronto, there is Bay Street. Bay Street. So Wall Street, okay. Bay Street. The guys in the Bay suits, Street. Bay Street. That's the guy he couldn't re- re- he couldn't relate to those guys, the Bay Street guys. Right. So Toronto historically was not a huge city, uh, but it was kind of like a. Uh, it was kind of like when Montreal, when there was the independence movement that rose up, a lot of people left Montreal and made Toronto more cosmopolitan. It was always a large city, but it was much more of yeah. a kind of, right? Blended. So there's so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, compared to Americans, I'm a Canadian expert, but there's so, there's so much to that. <laughs> well, listen, you know, Canadians love you. And just, to, just so you know, if you do shoot in Toronto, You've got a 4 a.m. last call, I think, in your in your lovely city of of uh, New York. Uh, in Toronto, our last call is uh, 2 a.m. Unless there's a big uh, event like you know the Toronto Film Festival, then then it's all good to go. Jim Gaffigan, if you could set the reset button, and we have the the whole time to you know to think about what we want to do, what would be the reset for you after things are lifted and we kind of tiptoe back into real life? This is real life, but you know what I'm saying. The reset. So can I have an example of what, like, a reset that you would do? Because I'm not that smart. Like, Yeah, you mean, okay, um, I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, I'm going to spend more time outside, like, going Ooh. for that hike that you and I really don't want to do. But I'm thinking, right. you know, birds, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Like I just kind of a recalibration of I could do that differently. And it could be like, you could say, I want more pizza. I don't know. You know? Yeah. No, I think that I have uh, a greater interest in um, not necessarily being outside, but um, uh, maybe not being in an urban setting as much. Do you know what I mean? It's Mm. like the Mm -hmm. value of, people that have gone to the suburbs or the people, you know, relatives that live in a cul-de-sac, it's like, there isn't the, uh, you know, there's a built in social distancing, uh, that I think Mm -hmm. has much more appeal now than it did before. I mean, I love cities, but I also know that if I had a yard right now, my, I would put my kids out there. And they would, uh, they would be, um, you know, more tired at night. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I have a funny feeling that we're going to hear in about a year from now, there's a new show or a new kind of comedy show, Jim Gaffigan from the farm. And that might be yeah. happening, Jim. You don't know. Listen, I'm such a fan of yours and I hope I didn't fangirl too much, but I could talk to you for hours for you are such a a great person to talk to. And I, we love your comedy here in Canada. And if you shoot here in Canada for the Rob Ford, uh, Rob Ford nation, please let us know. We'd like to have you back again. Uh, where can people follow you uh, uh, these days? You're doing so many things. Yeah. I, well, I would say um, during this time of quarantine, I've been mostly uh, I've been posting a video every day on YouTube just because I think yeah. we need a distraction from the news, but I'm on a social media, you know, Instagram, Twitter, you know, Facebook, uh, 
it's, you know, thank God for the internet because, uh, you know, doing this without being able to kind of, uh, provide some creative outlet is, uh, yeah. it would be pretty, you know, I'm grateful to do this, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, uh, I can go back to the chaos of my life, but I feel like I've done something productive. Yeah. I, as long as you have purpose every day, I think that's good. Now, one other question. When do you think that we will be able to go into a venue and watch you on stage to perform? When do you think that is going to happen? Well, yesterday I was, uh, you know, of the the traditional venue, like, um, you know, like the Sony Center in Toronto. I I don't know. I mean, I I was yesterday. I was offered a show, a drive-in stand-up show where people would drive. It's like I think at a horse track in New Jersey, people would drive in. And it would be kind of like a drive-in theater, except for I would do stand-up. Um, but to answer your question, I think that's not till 2021, honestly, mm. because okay. it's, it's, it's similar to the restaurants. It's like you shrink the capacity, then, um, no one can it's, and you know, also it's like economy wise, people are not going to be able to you know, the, the, the devastation of the economy, it's like people are not going to have the disposable income to go to shows. I hope I'm wrong. Right. You know, I hope so too, but I, I think it's going to be well. Thank you, Jim Gaffigan. Where can we follow you? Uh, I'm on all social media platforms, but um, mainly YouTube. I'm putting out a new video every day, sometimes stand up, sometimes sketches. Jim Gaffigan, thank you for talking with us. I might have to call you up for another podcast down the road if you don't mind. But in the meantime, you got it. Happy Father's Day. Marilyn Dennis does a podcast. New episodes every week. You can download or subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 